chance to hear more about the future direction of the United Rugby Championship in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. South Africa teams? Should there be second teams? What about player development salary caps? Just some of the questions about the future direction of the United Rugby Championship when Chief Executive Martin Anahi spoke to the competition's international press. Starting with a recent debate about whether the South African teams are the right fit for the competition. We just won't stop until the sort of message is out there that we feel like we've got a competition that is as competitive as any other in world rugby right now. And we don't think this is a one-off. We don't think that the season that we're in and 10 teams in contention for the eight places, you could see Leinster being pushed at the top now, which is, which is interesting. I think that will continue. I think that will continue. This is, you've got the likes of the Lions who are rebuilding and they'll get stronger. You've got the Welsh teams who are themselves going to get stronger over the next two years. You'll see Benetton, who have really struggled this year because we're playing on international weekends. They've got 17 to 20 players per weekend away when they don't have their international players missing. They're very competitive. Same with Zebra. The same is true for them. So the reason why we came off international weekends is to allow our teams to be as successful as they can be toe-to-toe. And I hope next season we'll get that. And what our job is, is to keep, keep banging the drum, keep that message going. We're on free to air, largely in our core domestic markets. Supersport does an amazing job in South Africa. I mean, it is, it's like being on a free to air broadcaster. We're talking about behind the scenes content shows. We're talking about all the things that we should be talking about to develop sport of rugby, never mind URC. And we'll keep doing that. June 18th is a very late finish for the domestic season in the Northern Hemisphere, later than ever been before. Next year, 2023, the World Cup starts on the 8th of September. With that in mind and the need for the five participating countries in the URC to have proper off-seasons, proper pre-seasons, warm-up matches and the like, are you going to look to bring forward the knockout stages next season to uh, enable them to prepare properly for the World Cup? Yeah, we had this schedule in mind and agreed for the last two to three years. I know, two years, say, But we understand that in... PRL and the RFU, they agreed to bring PRL season forward. So we are in that discussion with our unions now. Uh, having said that, you know, I think we're allowed to change the season structure too much. I mean, we, we do like the end of the season the way it is. We do think it's our strongest part of the year. But you're right, something may have to give, some concession might, might have to give. But we'd, we'd love for that to be too drastic a concession, if you like, or too drastic a change, because we think we've got a pretty good thing going. So we just... We need to have that discussion with the unions and see what we can do. There's a reason why the tail to the season is the way it is, you know, and that was, a, I guess, a hard-fought negotiation with everybody involved. So we've got expectations there from broadcasters and fans and sponsors and teams even. We'll see. But, I, I, again, I'm, I'm loath to change the format too much again. I wouldn't say it's no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we could change it quite as drastically as the PRL have done refereeing and officiating and TMO interference and so forth and so on. Is it as good as it should be and how can you improve it? We brought Tapper in. Tapper's really experienced uh, ref and been working with the SIU for many years now. His brief is very wide. We have a sporting committee. It's, it's chaired by Johnny Petrie from, as a CEO at Ulster, as you know, 
former captain of his country you know so knows the game well understands that there are improvements that need to be made to the officiating i would say to the consistency of the officiating is the key thing and one thing i tap has been on record with saying is to say that really where we need to get to is you've got a, a team approach and that team is the tmo plus the match official in the center of the pitch and if those two are working as a team then you've got the best chance as possible to get the right decision being made in the heat of the moment so i think that's one of the key things where we have invested money and I, again i'm to me it's not necessarily about just what money we're putting in it's like how efficient and effective is the money that we're putting in tapper's brief is quite wide in that you tell us and he should tell us how are we going to spend that money going forward and where it should be spent there needs to be more done i think in conjunction with the premiership more in conjunction with the lnr the top 14 we all provide referees to epcr competition there's a need for consistency across the board not just in the urc we've started to do exchanges of referees the english sure. referees coming in and we've had the french referee come in i think that's good because it shows that when we shouldn't look parochially we should be thinking about it as broadly as the champions cup and the challenge cup does there needs to probably be a bit more understanding between world rugby pcr and the leagues as to who's in charge of selections so when are referees being selected to go and play international or, or referee man international fixtures again another reason why we don't want to play on international weekends because it it doesn't just affect the players on the pitch it also affects the officiating there's lots of work to be done i wouldn't say that we're anyway the finished article i can say though we've made some progress but we've got to make more progress for it to be something that doesn't get talked about as, as often as it does there have been perennial talks about welsh indifference and welsh diffidence just in terms of, of this season and your hopes to, to keep the, the league competitive what's the sense you're getting about the welsh commitment to the league because there, there, there have been kind of various voices harking back to the old days of linking up with the uh, the old enemy again how confident they are that this kind of rebranding of the league which which appears to be successful the South African introduction will, will kind of um, harden their commitment, I suppose. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I, I was down visiting the Welsh region's chairs and CEOs and absolute commitment to being at the top of our table. You know, and you've got teams there with budgets that are bigger than the budgets in England in the Premiership next season. So I guess money shouldn't necessarily be a reason for failing. And so I think there's something else that they need to try and look at there, which I know that there are very, very good discussions going on with Steve Phillips, the WIU, about the funding, getting that sorted out, if you like, for next season and, and getting a sort of platform for them to build from. I saw as one when Scarlets won our league and they defeated Leinster away from home and then defeated Munster in the final. What is possible <laughs> uh, with a strong Welsh region? Uh, we just haven't seen enough of it. And we get really great support from our broadcast partners and BBC Wales, S4C in, in Wales. We get a great fan base in Wales. It's, it's a really ardent fan base. It isn't the sort of minority, I guess, that you hear on social media. And again, one year on social media, you might think it is all doom and gloom. It's not. I get a lot of the opposite side of how committed they are to the competition, how much they want to win it. So success will go a long way in in Wales and when Scarlets won our league the following year at least three out of the four regions crowds went up it's a really important point that success on the pitch in regional rugby is a key priority if you like it's got to be for rugby in Wales 
they've connected, I think, even better to the club game than they've ever done before in, in the regions. I think Cardiff is a good example of what, you know, how they're using Cardiff RFC now as a, as a development pathway into Cardiff. And I was sort of having that conversation with the connection between regional rugby and club rugby. I think it's going to get stronger and stronger and that will serve us in good stead, I think. So having a disconnect between the two hasn't served anybody at all, really. So I hope that connection can be fortified and that will prove a more positive arena for us in Wales. I mean, obviously you're working on the kind of the old style spread, geographical spread for the next couple of seasons, that's right. So into the Shields. Yeah. And then that may revert in um, a couple of years with union acquiescence. But, you know, the danger might be, and I know it's pushing down the line, but if the four South African side who are strong anyway at the moment, and they will get stronger with players coming back, more box available, that it would seem to me that every season there's a likelihood that four of them will automatically qualify and that kind of maybe reduces the union's constituents. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's exactly why the reviews there. That's the, probably the main concern originally was you'd get four strong South African sides in and it would knock, if you like, the Celtic sides out or the Italian sides out. You got three in the top eight, but that's not too dissimilar to how they used to compete in Super Rugby. It wasn't always you'd have four strong South African franchises in one go. There'd be quite a lot of times you'd have two strong, two not so strong, and then they'd sort of revert. That's why the review's there. Because if the review comes along and says, actually, John, we're going to take our chances and go on pure sporting jeopardy, the upshot or the downside, depending on how I look at it, is you might get four South African sides, you might get four Welsh sides, you might get four Irish sides. And so you re- you reduce your breadth of participation in the Champions Cup. That's the the flip side to that same coin. Meritocracy or democracy? What's best for you? I like the breadth. I like seeing the Welsh sides and the Scottish sides and the Italian sides in the Champions Cup. So, yeah, I think that's why, I guess, I'm not obviously the person who made the decision on my own, but I guess there's more people with me on that viewpoint than against me. But we did agree to do the review after two years and say, you know, is that right still? Should we care at that point or should we just go straight down the line sporting jeopardy? There's often mention of potentially a salary cap being imposed in the URC. Is that a possibility or prospect? I think any salary cap needs to be applied universally. I do like the idea of a salary cap in a sense that it, if it's in conjunction with other measures, and other measures for me need to be a standardisation of what each team receives in terms of their financials, but also distribution of talent. And it's the sort of triumvirate of things that the American sports say the NFL does really well and it keeps each franchise hopefully successful or not depending on how they trade players and how they you know how well they coach it isn't like baseball where it's about who's got the biggest budgets effectively when we're a little bit like baseball tends to be those with the biggest budgets are the most successful there are exceptions to that and the likes of Connacht would say that isn't true but they're the exceptions to the rule having said that if you do what they're doing in England and they're reducing their salary cap to 5 million, you know, plus some upticks for marquee player, etc. But the danger for that is you lose that sort of stardust appeal, competitiveness in Europe, and then players move either to our league or to the French league or to Japan. That's the danger if you do something on your own. So I'm, I think I'm a fan of it in general as a mechanism, 
but it would need to be done in a way that makes sense and that can only really be where if it's applied universally maybe not universally universally but certainly across european club rugby i think it would have to apply i don't think it's something our unions want us to look at and you know in the short term but it's something i think somebody in my position to make our business sustainable over 10 20 years time you've got to have a handle on costs that applies to every sport including formula one now the potential or otherwise for a second tier of the urc i know it's been rumored a lot the cheetahs were talking about it openly recently is that actually on the cards or has it been discussed? No, it's not on the cards. It's, we've, got a, we've got a really job on our hands to make sure we make the URC as good as it can possibly be. So, And we're getting there, for sure. So I think not for the present. We do love the cheaters, by the way. You know, They're a big part of our history. So if we can help them in any way to find a competition that does work for them, you, know, you can be rest assured that we do that. But no plans for a URC2 at the moment. With that not being on the cards at the moment, then is there any ideas from your guys' side on possibly bringing in some type of promotion relegation? No, not on the cards. And we're just focusing on the 16 teams that we've got. We've we've sort of worked hard, I guess, to have those 16 teams. And my job is to try and help uh, wherever possible the teams who have struggled this season and the Dragons and Zebra to get better. And that might mean new funding, whichever way we can. Uh, help to get them better but relegation isn't on the cards it's there to make sure that those teams can be sustainable and can invest in getting better without the fear of being relegated into an unknown competition it's a little bit different i guess to the top 14 with Pro Do or the premiership with the championship there isn't an established division below us so there's no there's nowhere to go for those teams to be relegated talked about only playing during international breaks but how does that work for player development when often those are exactly the periods that young players are blooded and get that vital experience at the top level when we revised the format that actually came out saying that what was great i guess about the pro 12 and the pro 14 was that there were development pathway uh, elements to the season and you know that usually gave four to six games a season where you'd bring that player through and you could bring them through quickly if they were Jordan Lama or, or so on. So, and I guess one of the pieces about not playing on international weekends is that we don't have that same pathway in the existing tournament. We have been asked to look at, I guess, an A-team league or a next generation competition that might fit that role. And that might be sort of, you know, again, four to six weekends a year and potentially within those international weekends. That's something we're definitely looking at. A little bit like the women's competition, there are different requirements in each territory. Part and parcel of these, I guess, the economics of our clubs is that they've, some of them have reduced their squad base so because they don't have to play an international weekend. So they'd have to hire back up again, which would seem sort of counterproductive. So I think it would have to be a development, younger, under 23 type competition for it to really work. And that's something we're looking at now. Following up on that question about the, the gaps in the season, so you've got your international gaps. It means that you can have situations where Connacht have only had two home games in the last eight to ten weeks, maybe even longer, actually. How do you keep fans engaged if there isn't the games on a fairly regular basis? Yeah, it's a good reason for having the under-23 competition or the next-gen competition, just to, you know, to keep that regular cadence of, of matches. 
it's something that we're talking to Adam actually from his head of broadcast role about how do we schedule matches in a, I guess, more consistent uh, manner throughout the season and get that regularity to the fixturing. So yes, something we definitely, definitely looking to improve for next season. Trying to make sure we don't get those long gaps is, is important. And more regular fixtures would be good for the fans, of course. Some interesting views. And now we know much more about the United Rugby Championship and where it's heading. Plenty more in next week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. So listen out. But until then, goodbye.